It's been two weeks since OTCB has been in your ears, so we are back and better than ever. This week, I talk with Mike French of the New England Black Wolf. We'll talk about big-time birthdays. The leaders are starting to assert themselves in the East. Curtis Dixon has tied the Calgary Roughnecks season goal mark. And could the goalie union be imploding from the inside out? All that and more this week on OTCB. Right, welcome back to another edition of Off the Crossbar here on SoundCloud and NLL Radio. My name is Teddy Jenner. As always, if you want to get a hold of me at the show, you can. Two simple ways. Uh, you can email me, OTCB at... That's not even my email. It's been so long that I forgot my email. You can email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar. Uh, I always want to thank the fine folks here at the Q in the Zone Radio in Victoria, B.C. for letting me use their studios to get this out to you and make sure we give you as much coverage as we can. As mentioned, it's been a few weeks uh, since I've been in this studio. I've been away in Palm Springs enjoying some sunshine and playing some terrible golf, so don't worry, I'm still not very good. But what is good is the play of the National Lacrosse League players, and it just keeps getting better and better. And we are on the 130 watch officially with Dane Smith. We're actually on more watches than some people may think, and it could be this weekend where Dane actually really supplants himself and makes his record all the more impressive. Now, you may be trying to say, well, what's more impressive than breaking 130 points? Well, that's going to be impressive. But if he gets six points this weekend, he will tie John Tavares, or he'll break John Tavares's 115-point mark that he set in a 14-game season. If he gets seven points, he'll surpass John Grant Jr., who had 116 points only a few years ago, when he played in just 14 games, but that was a 16-game season. He missed the last two games with, I believe, a cracked sternum, courtesy of Richard Morgan. So Dane Smith has played 14 games, 13 games. His 14th will be this weekend. He has 110 points. He's five shy away from JT, six shy away of Junior, 20 points shy of the actual record. But if we want to just base this on games played, the fact that he's about to get to 115 to 18 points in 14 games really goes to show how incredible Dane Smith's season is in the grand scheme of things. He's still on the hunt for the Triple Crown. He is two goals ahead of Curtis Dixon, who is now tied with Dane Doby for the Roughnecks' all-time single-season goal mark um, of 51. One more goal and he will have the record all to himself. It's pretty safe to say in the Roughnecks' last two games that he'll score at least once. And Smith is three points or three assists behind Callum Crawford for the assist lead. As the Great Dane tries to pull off the rare triple crown of leading the league in points, goals, and assists. Buffalo has five games remaining. 
it's pretty safe to say he's getting to 130. He has to basically average four points a game, and that's half of what he's averaging now. Uh, he'll be in a fantastic race with Curtis Dixon. The only thing is Dixon only has two games left while Dane Smith has five, and Crawford and Smith will go right down to the wire for the assist mark. And it's just been an incredible year, uh, incredible to watch what Dane has done and, and what Curtis Dixon has done and what Sean Evans is still doing. Evans is on pace to break his 130-point record. Reese Dutch is having an incredible year. Rob Hellier, I still think, is one of the most underrated guys in the top 10 of the National Cross League in scoring. He just gets lost in the commotion when you talk about Smith and Dixon and Crawford and Evans and Matthews and Dutch and Jameson. You skip right over Rob Hellier a lot of times when you say that. But let's just think about what Rob Hellier did last year. Hellier was on pace to break the record himself if he hadn't have gone down with that shoulder injury late in the year. I don't think a lot of people give Rob Hellier enough credit. Steve Stamp had him as the number two star in this week in his aisle indoor three stars. Four goals, five assists, and he's really picked up the pace and really picked up the slack that's been needed for the Toronto Rock with the absence of Josh Sanderson most of the year, with the absence of Colin Doyle the last three weeks, with the absence of Brett Hickey, who's on the second IR. Like, Rob Hellyer is the new face of the Toronto Rock. He and Brett Hickey were becoming the new one-two punch for the Toronto Rock, and I think they're going to be the long-time one-two punch for this Toronto Rock. You know, I, I don't know... You know, Colin Doyle's out with an undisclosed upper body injury. He says he's day-to-day. That's the rhetoric that we're going to get at any point in this year when it comes to injuries. Day-to-day, upper body, lower body, whatever you want to call it. That's what people are going to say. So we don't know. Like If Doyle's day-to-day, he's been day-to-day for three weeks. And hopefully for the Toronto Rock, he can get back because this playoff push for them is huge. They're only two games out of a playoff spot. But what Josh Sanderson and Colin Doyle have done for that organization over the past decade, even when you know both of them had timeouts, uh, Shooter was in Calgary, Doyle was in San Jose, over the last while, since The Rock have been The Rock, Doyle and Sanderson have been the cornerstones of that franchise. Good things always come to an end. It's not much longer for the NLL for Colin Doyle and Josh Sanderson. So when you look to the future, Brett Hickey, Rob Hellyer, they are that future. They have created an incredible chemistry together. Uh, They work really well together on and off ball. And it just is a nice balance when you had Josh and Doyle out there, along with Beerns and LeBlanc, they created a nice dynamic. But now as the Rock move forward and with all the injuries they have, like, They've been ravaged with injuries. Rob Hellier has been a shining star for the Toronto Rock, and he continues to just go about his business. Ho-hum, Rob Hellier. You're having one heck of a season, my friend, so please don't stop doing what you do because, like I said, he kind of gets lost in the shuffle when you talk about the top five scores, top ten scores in the National Lacrosse League. I bet you you if we hadn't had this conversation... And I ask you to name the top 10 guys in the league. Rob Hellier would probably be the name you left out. It's true. The guy's just under the radar. But he's not under the radar because he's so damn good. Watch the guy play. He's not the biggest. 
but he's got a great first step. He's just got a hunger for the goal, and he can shoot the lights out. And if it's not for Rob Hellier, I really don't know, you know, where this Rock team is. And as of late, I don't know where this Rock team is without the play of Nick Rose. Because Rosie has been really, really good for them down this stretch. Um, I talked off the start about, <laughs> is the goalie union imploding? Well, it could be. I don't think it truly is imploding. And, you know, this is all just kind of stemming off the incident that happened between Brandon Miller and Tyler Richards at the end of the Vancouver-Toronto game on Saturday night. Now, I've spoken to both B-Mill and T-Rich, and both pretty much say the exact same thing. Um, T-Rich says that Miller and The Rock were blaming or calling Richards a bit of a uh, stick swinger and a bit of a chopper. Um, Richards says that, yeah, he got... Stefan LeBlanc earlier in the game, and Miller wasn't too pleased with him. And he'd kind of been jawing with him most of the game. And when the game was over, Miller just felt that he needed to go and address it with Tyler Richards and see if he was as tough uh, with a stick in his hand in the crease as he was outside of it. Nothing really happened, um, but you just could just see the f- how fired up Miller was. Um, he wasn't even playing in the game. He was the backup. Uh, but, you know, a veteran guy trying to do what he can to stick up for his teammates. And, and you know, he was unhappy with the member of the goalie union, so he wanted to have to have his say. You know, cooler heads prevailed. It, it could have gotten way out of hand. Like, full-on bench clear could have happened. But, luckily, it didn't. Um, but it's it's always interesting to see things like that happen especially between goaltenders because you never really get an insight into what goes on um, in the minds of goaltenders, mostly because, you know, they're a weird bunch. I'm not going to lie. Goalies are weird, but they're very valuable and a necessary part of any lacrosse club. But it was just a, a weird thing to see Big Miller come off the bench and, and bump into Tyler Richards, and ex- they exchanged some words. Uh, nothing really came of it after that, as I said, but it was just a, a really weird scenario. And, and like I said, both parties, you know, the story goes, T-Rich slash LeBlanc, Miller's all over him the rest of the night. Tyler Richards said, I'm good, thanks. And then B. Miller came at him after the game and said, hey, let's see how tough you are. Tyler Richards just kind of, again, laughed him off. Said I'm good. And Toronto leaves the LEC with a massive win. And how massive is that win for Toronto? Well, as I said, it, it keeps them in the playoff hunt. They're still not mathematically eliminated. They are just two games out of a playoff spot as we speak. And that's incredible to think of where they were at 0-6 a little while ago. They're 4-3 and since. And they're just two games back of Georgia. Sorry, two games back of Rochester. The only thing is, they've pretty much lost the tiebreaker with every team. So they're going to have to hope that both Georgia and Rochester start losing some games. And Toronto's going to have to go on one heck of a winning streak down the stretch if they're going to have any hope of catching Rochester for third place. 
The team that's right ahead of Rochester is the New England Black Wolves. They are 7-5. and five. They are a game and a half behind Buffalo. They lost a heartbreaker to Colorado on Saturday night, 12-10. Um, Callum Crawford scoring two goals late in that game to kind of seal the fate of the Black Wolves. And when you talk about the Black Wolves, you never really hear from their management group. You know, when when we talk about Saskatchewan, oftentimes you're going to hear from Bruce Urban. You don't really hear from the Flames a lot, but you still hear from Mike Board quite frequently. You don't hear from Denise Watkins or a lot of the other owners, for that matter. Um, some of them are a little more verbal on Twitter and all that than others. But for the most part, we don't usually hear from owners. And Mike French reached out to me. Uh, Frenchie is uh, co-owner of the Philadelphia Wings along with the Mohegan Sun Tribe. And he reached out to me and said, hey, man, I'd love to have a chat with you. Funny story. He actually thought I was my brother, Fred. My brother played with the Wings uh, in like 2000 and 2000-ish. Yeah, I think 2000. Um, and when Mike was there with the Wings organization, and he said, you know, I remember you were long-time Wings. We should have a conversation. All right. I had to chuckle and then politely remind him that as much as my mother likes to call me my brother every so often, I am not him. So we had a good laugh about that. But Mike reached out to me and said he doesn't do these things kind of often, um, but he wanted to have a chat and, and, and say some things and have an in-depth discussion and so I'm never going to turn that down. Uh, I have a lot of respect for Mike French and what he's done. He stood through and through with the Wings organization for a long, long time. And he's now taken the team and seen the team move up to Uncasville, Connecticut. And finally, after quite a while, he can see a winning product on the floor. They are 7-5. and five. They are nipping at the heels of the Buffalo Bandits. They are very close to clinching a playoff spot. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But here's my conversation with Mike French of the New England Black Wolves. Now, we did this on Tuesday, and it was just prior, a few hours prior to a pretty big basketball game down in the United States, and what a game it was. And so our conversation starts with his love for the Villanova Wildcats. You know, I, I'm a Nova fan just because I basically live, you know, five minutes from the campus. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I get a little brainwashed, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, but I've been here such a long time. You know, of I've, course. And yeah. I know Jay Wright. He's a great guy. And yeah. um, he's a good guy. And so I'm I'm hopeful that, uh, you know, the kids that actually go to school four years win. That yeah, exactly. nice for a change. Is that is that something that, that is becoming an issue in college sports of guys leaving early? Like is that is that a really big concern for people? You think? Um, well, you know, in certain sports, you know, yeah. particularly basketball, um, <clears throat> you know, the problem that I see, and I, I look at it kind of holistically, is that um, most of these kids that um, leave um, school early after their freshman year and they mm-hmm. get drafted high, um, unless you're in the top ten picks in the NBA, um, you're not a lottery pick type person. Yeah, yeah. Um, you get paid, and a lot of these kids aren't very smart, and they come. Some of them come from uh, families where they only had one parent. Many of them, mm-hmm. 
Uh, many of them are minorities, obviously, and so they get that first paycheck, and um, <clears throat> they don't know that 50% of the $3 million paycheck's got to go to the uh, IRS. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a posse. They want to buy their mom a house. And so, uh, and then, then they find out that their life expectancy um, is three years at most. Yeah. So I, I think that it's <clears throat> it's kind of sad that these there isn't a mechanism. Most of these guys aren't, aren't going to want to go back to school either. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think it's a problem for certain sports. Certainly yeah. it isn't for, you know, collegiate lacrosse. Yeah, and it's, that's not something that, you know, we're going to see anytime soon, is it? In oh, the lacrosse world. I, I I don't think so. And, you know, yeah. you know, uh, well, you know. I have a friend who's was a lottery pick. Uh, his his best friend was my godson. Um, yeah. And his name is Spencer Hawes. And so Spencer, um, when he was 19, he came from a great family. You know, he was a lottery pick. He's seven foot one, and so mm-hmm. he's played in the league because he knew how to save his money. He's been in the league nine years. He's 28. Yeah. He has sufficient wealth that he can, you know. And he's smart enough that he saved it all, that he can live. But yeah. that's the exception to the rule. I don't mm-hmm. see it happening in sports unless unless, unless the, unless the you're really good yeah. and unless they're paying you millions. And well, that's not going to happen in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> is, is, that, is, that, is that ever – like we can think 10, 15 years down the road. Is, is big paychecks ever going to be a thing lacrosse players can look forward to? Well, um, you know – I, 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 my wife. I tell my wife this, and she, I'm the only guy left. Yeah. From 1987, the, the only guy left from the Eagle League. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, when playing back then. So there's one guy left, and so my wife thinks the following: I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> she thinks yeah. I'm the dumbest fucker out there because I'm still around. Yeah. Um, no, but I, I, I like it. I, I, I don't really know. I think that. Um, I would say highly unlikely. The benefit that I think most lacrosse players have, yeah. um, both women and men, is that it's very popular with um, you know highly accredited college institutions. Mm-hmm. And so, um, if, if you probably took all the NBA basketball players and the ones that actually were successful, and you took all the lacrosse players that had the opportunity of getting educated because of the sport, mm-hmm. uh, they got into a school they might not normally get into. Um, they got whether it be D three, D two, D one, whatever. They got a, a college scholarship, and they and and they were able to find a career path. Um, I would think that I, w- I would like to know the answer, but I think that you might find out that the success rate overall, maybe not from a dollar, but from a longevity standpoint, probably right. is better with lacrosse than it is with a t- sport like basketball. Yeah. But I, I don't I don't think it ever will because I don't know where the revenue sources are going to come from. Yeah. Because yeah. you know every, you know I'm. You know the the new commissioner. You know we have to build a digital platform, and all that stuff. And you know he's going to really want us to all kind of step up as an ownership group. But we're only nine owners. Yeah. And I think it, I think it'll be tough to to get to those monumental, uh, you know, pay scales because yeah. I just don't know that. You know I and, and I you know when you were playing and you know you'd go and watch TV. You know I, I we had a game. Uh, the other night, um, which unfortunately we lost, and <clears throat> you look in the stands, and, and every kid that's there is watching the game, and have the, and they have their their iPad, their you know their iPhone, iPhone in their hand. or iPad or whatever, yeah. So so yeah. they're multitasking, yeah. their attention span's low, you know. You, you you that's why some of these sports, it's like you know these 
you know, this IFC and all these that have very, you know, even, you know, uh, whatever they call that, rodeo, you know, oh, you're yeah, on the horse yeah, for yeah. like a minute yeah. or nine yeah. seconds. I don't know. Eight seconds, yeah, yeah. So I think there's a bit, bit of a change in, you know, what the people, the younger people want to see today. Mm-hmm. And I'm not so sure that even though I think our game is so exciting, I had eight of my friends from old lacrosse burnouts from my college yeah. years. They came to the game. They said, no, they, they, had, they hadn't even seen one. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know they had they said this game is just like you know a hundred times more fun to watch yeah. than anything than any other type of lacrosse that they that they uh, you know check out. So yeah, uh, the you get that discrepancy of people who watch the old style lacrosse and they miss the old MILL days where you know Philly and Detroit and Boston were packed with screaming fans and, and there's a different brand of lacrosse. Is, is the NLL suffering from that mentality? You know, I don't really think so. I think that back when we were, you know, having brawls and, you know, doing a bunch of stuff, Broad Street bully type, mm-hmm. um, I think that there was it was a whole different mentality. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and by the way, the players are bigger, they're faster, they're stronger. Yeah. Uh, that, 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 that goes without saying. Um, in some ways, uh, you know, I think that, um, you know, the game has been made safer. Um, I think that skill set of the players is greater i i don't think it's any less physical mm-hmm. i you know you, you, you i every game i watch is like it seems like they're all 12 10 yeah yeah and and, and you know <laughs> any team can win like I, I i would i would bet that if you took our our nine teams and because we only have nine teams and if you, and if you matched up any one of the teams you know Saskatchewan at the top Vancouver at the bottom and you said play a seven game series. Yeah. I bet everyone would go at least six. Yeah. <laughs> so because so cause, you know, it's just the way it is. It's parody yeah. and yeah. Break. So I, I I really I really like the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know I I I don't think that. You know I I'm not happy that we took a penalty with three minutes left in the game. Yeah. Uh, you know against Colorado, which I didn't think was necessary. Um. You know, but we have a guy on our team that's you know 240 pounds and really strong, and he knocked a guy mm-hmm. over with a cross yeah. yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, I don't have any problems with it, Teddy. To be honest with you, yeah. um, I think it's pretty good, and um, you know the stick skills are are yeah, remarkable. Phenomenal. Yeah, are, are remarkable. They're just like you know, it's 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 crazy, and it's transcending into uh, you know, you know, I'm, I'm down here for you know four years, so yeah. it, it it's transcending into the uh, mindset of you know, all the collegiate coaches. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, they're not going to win cool. to consider playing, you know, the game differently. How important is it to have more Americans playing? Because this, I don't think this league can survive without an influx of American kids. And I think U.S. Boxa and all the guys, Shane Santos, and all those guys are doing an incredible job with all those programs throughout the U.S. But, you know, and, and in five, ten years, we're probably really going to see the effects of that. But how important is it to have a strong content of, of American players playing in the NLL for its survival. Right. Well, you, you know, you're talking to a guy that, that was mostly American and I'm yeah. a Canadian I'm <laughs> yeah. from Canada. Yeah. And, and I did it mostly because you wanted to get the guys to be able to practice together. Mm-hmm. And then when the world games came, I lost seven players. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, some, some of them friends, you know, yeah. they, they, you know, all of a sudden they're not playing, you know, and some of those guys I think reg- regret, Mm-hmm. that they didn't come back and play like we we got you know 
you know, I, I've kind of flipped. Now we're practicing Tuesdays in Grimsby, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Because yeah. we got, we got, you know, like, you know, I came to my senses that you know we need to practice on Tuesday, and not try to do the Friday thing. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And you know, so you know, goalies need to get action, and you can't, you know, bombard them on a Friday night before a Saturday mm-hmm. game. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that it's very important that Americans play. I think that. You have to have a distribution in the U.S., and, and, and Nick Sikavich obviously believes that too. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only certain types, like like there's only so many guys that are going to get uh, deals from, you know, Nike mm-hmm. <clears throat> or Adidas or something, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which in many ways they, they've put somewhat, they've limited, I know this with Rob Pinnell, mm-hmm. they've limited, you know, what they can do uh in lacrosse outside of um, what they're required to do with their camps and clinics and their promotions and everything. And so it makes it difficult to play in our league, which is much more structured. Mm -hmm. You know, we we have a union, obviously, and we have um, 18-game schedule, and we expect you to be 100% committed. So that's why some of these guys are playing the outdoor, which is, in my mind, a much more casual League, so but in, you, you got to get players to play. Yeah, you know, we got mm-hmm. guys on our team like Brian McGill, and you know uh, Rannigan, yeah, Bucky. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got a bunch of guys. They love it. Yeah, they they just they just love it. I but you, I don't know exactly, you know how you entice them to play yeah. more. Um, but you know we got to try to figure out a way, and I think part of it would be. You know, getting you know this digital platform so we can find other revenue streams and we mm-hmm. can maybe pay the players more, yeah, um, yeah. make it more attractive financially for them. Um, that'd be one thing, but you know, it depends. Some guys, some guys, uh, you know, they get they get out of school and they they get a good job or they go get their MBA or something like that. Right. You're gonna lose them. Yeah. I've actually told guys, right? You know, you're not going to be able to do this. Because they're yeah. working for you know a private equity firm and you know they, they make mm-hmm. them work you know real long hours. I said, I said you may you may think that you're going to be able to do this, but you better have a pretty honest discussion yeah. with your employer. Yeah. Because there's no one because then 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 you're, the team's getting cheated and so is the boss, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. How much did it hurt you guys when you were in Philly? Though you know because you guys were building a pretty good group. You know you had Rabel and Hartzell and Mundorf and you had a good group of Americans. Did it, did it hurt you guys to to see that sort of quote unquote experiment fail and not have those guys around? Yeah, yeah, because you know we 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 invested yeah significantly in those guys, you know, and, and we wanted to have a team that could be within a relatively close uh, proximity drive so we could practice. Yeah. Um. You know, we had you know all those guys and Max Seabald, and we had yeah, yeah. We had a whole and, and and we had a good locker room. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the World Games came around. That was really the the thing. The World Games yeah. came around, yeah. and you know, I don't know if they were encouraged to not participate. Um, you know, we and we we drafted Tucker Durkin, yeah. who you know came to you know the kid came to all our games for like. Tw- you know, growing up for like 10 or 15 years. He was yeah. in the game. He loved the wings, right? And then, you know, all of a sudden, he gets a chance to play for the U.S. And, you know, some of these guys, you know, it was it, the, the interesting thing was that um, we had Brody Merrill on our team. Mm-hmm. 
who's, you know, obviously I respect Brody a lot, and Brody personally contacted every one of these guys and said, um, you know what, if you play in the indoor, you're going to be much more prepared for Denver. Yeah. For the, for the tournament, right? Yeah. And um, it's going to make you a much better player uh, yeah. to play in these world games, in the world games. And when I, when I talked to these guys, I said, you know, it's too bad you, you, you're not playing because you will get better. Brody told you the same thing I'm telling you. Yeah. And you're going to probably get your ass kicked anyways. <laughs> so so it's a, it's a, it's when, when I see these guys, particularly yeah. Rob and Max, you know, I, we just kind of, you know, I, I love those. They're great guys. And, yeah. you know, for once in my life, I actually said something that actually turned out to be true. Yeah. <laughs> is Is there... Is there light at the end of the tunnel for for guys like that that the crossover between NLL and MLL keeps them away from the game? Like, is there a, a talk of moving a season or trying to avoid that crossover? You know, I'd like to think that we could maybe do something. Um, we, we we I was in a meeting with some of the owners from the outdoor, and we were in a meeting, and we we didn't really we, we couldn't get over it. Yeah, we couldn't get over it. Now, keep in mind. Keep in mind, you know, you you seem like you have more of an open mind, but we got guys that are up in Saskatoon, um, you know, Calgary, you know, we got guys up, you know, in northern, you know, they don't really care that much about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the but for the commissioner, he he wants to sort out a way to try to figure out if there is some sort of a compromise. But um, you know, right now our guys play, and then. Yeah. If you want to draft them, and you're going to know that they can miss anywhere from maybe two games to eight games. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, so it's kind of, you know, weird because you can be playing, uh, you know, the Rochester Rattlers or whatever they're called, and they yeah. they, they can have like you know five different guys, new guys on the team starting, mm-hmm. you know, after like in their fourth week of the season. So, yeah, um, it's much more uh, casual, and I think it. I think there's got to be some way where we can make it better yeah. for all parties. Our our league, you know, with this our new commissioner who I have a lot of confidence in, we may make some significant uh t- we may take some significant strides um hopefully in the next uh, you know, I'm going to say 3 to 5 years. Mm-hmm. Um with through expansion and through all the things that he's he's working on, we have um a guy that, you know, I know personally and who has a tremendous amount of, uh, you know, you know, experience, bandwidth with, uh, you know, what he did for the MLS. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't know why you couldn't duplicate it for our sport, but you're going to need players. Yeah. And absolutely. you're not. You can only get so many guys out of Orangeville, right? There's so many guys <laughs> yeah, out of yeah. Burnaby, right? Yeah, There's only yeah, so many guys exactly. in Victoria. Yeah. So, you know, we're we, you know, I I can just say that you know I'm. I'm 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 in a new situation, fifty fifty partnership with the tribe at Mohegan, yeah. great partners, and um, we're trying to be really competitive, and yeah. we think we are, and we think we made a lot of changes, you know, very much different from, uh, you know, the last strategy that we had, right. um, and so you know with with some of the people that we've got in our team, and you know the first thing I did when I was told that by Blaine that he couldn't probably travel to New England mm-hmm. because we would have probably kept our coaching staff in, in, in place. Yeah. Um because it was their first year in 
even though you know there were some things that you know we maybe maybe have done differently uh, right. in hindsight. Um, as soon as I was told that you know uh, Blaine said I couldn't make it, I I called Glenn Clark 15 minutes later. Yeah, and it's been a great partnership ever since. Uh, I love Glenn. I love Jimmy yeah. Beltman. Who would? Yeah. How can you? How can you not? Right. Uh, yeah, and you know I knew that Minnesota was going to be looking for coaches. I have yeah. the advantage that I know these guys. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I trust them. And then, yeah. uh, you know, I knew that we would be good to get Tracy, you know, on the offensive end. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, so that that has worked out real well. And you know, and I think that there's a lot of good coaches in our league, but mm-hmm. um, this they fit very well in with, uh, you know, the type of guys we have on our team now. Yeah, you, you talked about that partnership with the casino and the tribe and all that. How's that? How's that going? Like, it seems like a kind of a weird partnership at at the start um Mm -hmm. but it seems like you know you guys have a a strong winning product on the floor it's starting to gain some momentum up there you know the ties of the casino seem to be you know providing a lot of um extra eyes how's that going it's going very well what 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 what, um people didn't realize was well first of all you know last thing i want to do is move from philadelphia yeah, of course. Um, but the economics were such that it just it didn't make any sense anymore. And, you yeah. know, it just, you know, didn't make any sense. So mm-hmm. well, when, you know, I wasn't smart enough to contact them, they they contacted me. Mm-hmm. And so when we when we finalized um, our, our relationship, it was, you know, towards the end of mid to end of no- November. Yeah. So and, you know, we didn't even have a name. Yeah. We didn't even have, you know, they had to build the venue. Yeah. And, um, you know, so it was, it was, it was an unbelievable experience just to get things up and running. Yeah. And so, um, it started off, you know, like, you know, and, and you, 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 I don't know if you've been to a game at Mohegan Sun. No, not yet. No. No, you should get yourself there. But, you know, it's, it's, I, I think it's the, by far the best place to watch a game. Um, it's, because it's not like you know a big arena. Yeah. It's seventy five hundred seats, and it's you know you're right on the floor. You can yeah. and, and it's 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 like really exciting place. And you know we, you know everything's we went from having the worst turf as you know. Yeah. It was bad for ten years. Now we have the yeah. best. Yeah. So that yeah I think I think the physical plant is great, and yeah. you know this, now it's our second year. Um, you know they have. You know, Mohegan Sun has gets you know fifty thousand people go through there on a weekend. Yeah. Um. So there's other challenges like you know we're not competing with uh, the Flyers. We're competing with like Neil Diamond. Yeah. 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 yeah or you a know a different like, kind of uh, competition. Yeah. And and these these bands get booked or you know we have mm-hmm. they have you know Friday we played Saturday they had Tony Bennett in Friday. Mm. Uh, next weekend on Saturday night they have Earth Wind and Fire in Chicago. <laughs> so it's um. It's um, a big, you know, massive, beautiful. You know, they got forty-two restaurants. It's it's wow. it's a, a really great place uh, to play. It's you know, it's it's another. You know, I was a half an hour, and now I'm four and a half hours mm-hmm. from from the, our home venue. And and you know, the, the, this is a native game. And yeah, you know, absolutely. I don't. I, I the, our our the staff there are learning. Yeah. They're learning, and you know they're used to marketing in a different way, and so they're 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 not as much grassroots. They're more they're more. They work with some of the best marketing firms, PR firms, and so you know they're learning how to get on the phone, mm-hmm. and 
call up, you know, the all the different schools that are, you know, playing lacrosse. And so we're starting to get it's a much more of a, you know, you said the beer drinking, you know, mm-hmm. crowd party atmosphere, yeah. Parties, you know. This is a different crowd because they get a lot of um a lot of families. Mm-hmm. Um we're starting to build up our season ticket base. But it's it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. So in, yeah. in one respect you have you're in the middle of nowhere. And the other respect in the other respect you have you know, fifty thousand people walking through this gigantic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're in the middle of nowhere, but you have fifty thousand people going there every weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So you can you can kind of fish some of them people to come in, and they try it. Yeah. And they go, wow, this yeah. is fun. They come back. So I'm I'm very happy with it. Yeah. Um, you know, I had a lot of stress, particularly over the last decade, over the over the um, you know the, the fans and sponsors and merchandise, yeah. and and they're they're really in control of all of that. You know, we give them our suggestions and. Mm-hmm. They let us run the team, which isn't the most fun part. Yeah. Uh, how 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 sort of gut wrenching was it when you had to make that final decision to pull the plug in Philly? It was really tough. Yeah. It, it was really tough, and uh, you know, um, you know, Peter Luco, who who was the it ran the Flyers, the Sixers, the building, and, and ran all of the buildings that Comcast manages. Mm-hmm. You know, they have like a hundred and nineteen. Buildings, you know, convention centers, or right? Yeah. In North America, they own one. Yeah. <laughs> they own one, and then, and you know, Comcast is, you know, the biggest employer, the biggest entertainment company in the world now, with NBC and all that. So they, right. they, own, and they're in the building business. So they own one. So, um, you know, uh, when Peter Luco left, um, he was with us for 28 years, and he was a great friend, and he kind of looked after us. But you can get Beyonce in there once, and. Yeah. And that's like worth nine of our games. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, all of a sudden they're going, hey, yeah, uh, we like the wings. You know, Mike French is a nice guy, um, but you know, we're running a business here. So, our 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 arena deal was was changing, mm-hmm. and we were already losing, you know, seven figures. Yeah. And so, it was very very difficult because, um, I had you know tried to get new investors and we got some and then. You know, it, it was difficult, and everybody, yeah. um, you know, nobody, you know, you know, they they don't know the dynamics, but it was such that we we tried to move to Allentown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, mm-hmm. we spent, we you know, we tried, and, and they just weren't ready for it. They were just opening up the arena with a new hockey team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to have a formula that works, and, you know, uh, I, I'm happy for Bruce Urban because, you know, it didn't work for him, and now it is. Yeah, it's crazy how that's worked so so well for him. Yeah, and you know it's um, you know uh, it's the, the business model. You have to either be owned or you have to be in partnership. Mm-hmm. And you know that's what Nick understands. He talks about these pillars, um, yeah. but you know you have to have a an arena that's got its the um, skin in the game. Mm-hmm. That usually means some level of ownership. Right, and so. You know, I we we have that with our partners, and yeah. um, you know, we just want to build a winning team, and we want to get more and more involved in the grassroots elements of it because yeah. I, I, you know, I've told them that it should be hard to get a ticket there. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't we don't want to get less than four thousand people. We want to get over seven. Yeah, absolutely. Where's next? Like I know this comes up all the time, and everyone's always asking the expansion. And Nick has said, you know, by 2018, he wants to have 
at least probably two teams in. What's 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 legitimately on the radar right now? Well, I I, I wouldn't say anything different than Nick because he's yeah. flown around and talked to all these guys. You know, yeah. you know, it's, it's no. Uh, I think you know he's talked to. You know, people in New York, you know, and he's talked to, obviously, Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's talked to, I know he's talked to Ottawa. I know he's talked to uh, people in Dallas, St. Louis, you know, all the different things he said, you know. I'm actually meeting him at four. That's why I have to go because he's go. looking, <laughs> looking at office space, you know, because he, he, he may try to get some more office space in Philadelphia. And right. He's meeting, I'm introducing him to my brother who's in that business. So, uh-huh. you know, I, I think that um, – it's you have to get really good owners, you know. Yeah. Back in the old days, as you remember, we had fly-by-nighters, and yeah. you know, if you yeah. could write a small check and pay over time, you you were good. I- invited to be in the club. Yeah. yeah. That, was, that was that. You know, you, the problem is, is that, and you know what happened in Vancouver. Yeah. Um, you get one of those guys, and then when they go south, you have to. The dead bodies are everywhere. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I, you know, I, I feel really. I don't know if you've met Nick yet, but um, he's. I think he's got the right stuff to. If yeah. there is a, if there is a, uh, uh, you know, a positive uh, growth uh, potential for mm-hmm. the NLL, I think he's the guy that. You know, I was on the committee with Arlotta, and, and we, the, the search firm, we hired the best search firm in the business. You know, we mm-hmm. went the first. We went, we went absolutely top cabin, and you know, 125 people I talked to, and we we narrowed yeah. it down to a bunch. And you know, uh, you know, you, Nick Nick is the guy who rolls up his sleeves. So yeah, you, you, that's what we need. Yeah, that's the impression I've gotten from him that you know he he was very green, didn't know anything about the lacrosse world, and I think that was exactly what we needed. We just needed a guy to come in and say, hey, you know what, whatever's been working for me in the past obviously hasn't been working. So let's let's build on what we have and go from there. What what do you think? You know, he he's talked about some hurdles and growing pains that he has, but what do you think some of the biggest challenges that he has in the commission? Well, I think I think that um you know, uh I don't think it's anything to do with the game. Yeah, no. Anything to do. He, if you tell him he said we got the best product, but yeah. just nobody he says nobody knows about it. Yeah. That's you know, we got we got a database of like, you know, thousands. Yeah. Not tens or hundreds of thousands. We have yeah, no, just thousands. Yeah. No, no data, and mm-hmm. that's why he's into this this whole digital platform. Yeah. And 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 developing infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um. So I think that you know he's he's going to first of all have to get the owners collectively to buy into it. Yeah. And that that means that that means also paying for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that, that that'll be one thing to get. There's going to have to be. Um, a continued financial commitment. You know, Nick, Nick will tell you that when, when he was in the room 22 years ago, 23 years ago with the MLS with guys like Robert Kraft and Anschutz yeah. and the guy from Kansas City, um, you know, these guys were very wealthy and, and, mm-hmm. and you know, they, they, the franchise values were like ours back. Yeah. Ours yeah. are now. The last one just sold for $125 million. So, Jeez. So I don't know if that's going to happen, but <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and you know, they got they have TV, they have global TV, yeah. And so I think the uh, the challenge was, will be, you know, to, um, you know, I think he's he's got to he hit some singles and doubles, and yeah. he's got to get the low hanging fruit out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's got 
uh, you know, relationships with all the big um, potential owners out there so he can call them up on the phone. Yeah. He can call up Davis at New Balance and talk about the outdoor league. Yeah. Uh, he knows him. He can call up the guy at Under Armour. Yeah. Um, so there's some few, few things. There's, I think expansion might be more on the front end because mm-hmm. there are some teams that, you know, and some people that he can talk to, and they're going to, and they're going to be able to, you know, I think buy in quicker to his vision. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, so I think the biggest challenge is to, to probably get us to, you know, get us to those those, uh, you know, twelve teams, hopefully yeah. soon. Yeah. And, um, you know, get some more recognition. Yeah. For our league out there, you know, other than yeah. you know, you know, inside lacrosse, you know, I. Yeah. I you know, I, I, you know, as you know, I said I, I, I sent you a note because I just felt I should say something because, um, you know, it'd be good to have somebody to know because there's nobody down in the United States that really covers any of this stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know? Like, like full heartedly, like full on coverage, not just kind of you know pieces here and there or 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 flash shots on web pages when something big happens, like full-on dedicated coverage. And I think that's lacking across the board for the sport of lacrosse, especially indoors. Yes. And so we are getting much more coverage now than we ever got, but we're getting coverage from, and and we're getting coverage from, you know, obviously the Hartford Courant, the Providence paper, and New London. Yeah. Now, that's hardly, you know, Hartford is, you know, I don't know where they rank in terms of markets, but, you know, Philadelphia is like four. Mm-hmm. Hartford's probably like 24. I don't know. But yeah, we're getting, right. we're, they're coming out, and they're coming out because it's Mohegan Sun. Yeah, yeah. Mohegan Sun is the biggest, you know, one of the biggest employers in the state of Connecticut. So, Crazy. but, you know, I, I figured, you know, like, I could, you know, not that I, you know, maybe maybe if I was four and 14 like I was last year, I would stay clear of <laughs> you guys. But yeah. <laughs> I, I probably wouldn't. But, yeah. but because we won a couple in a row, yeah. Uh, maybe I got some beer muscles or something, but I, <laughs> I just said, you know, I, I, I don't see much written about, um, our team. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, you know, you, you're, you know, I'm a player from a long time ago. You're a former player. Mm-hmm. I, I really, really like the team. Yeah, me too. I really, really like the team. Yeah. And it's a mix of, um, you know, Americans, um, it's a mix of you know we got guys like suits and you know what they're like you know what yeah. Evie's like yeah. and we got you know guys that uh, you know like Bill O'Brien you know he, mm-hmm. he his story is incredible oh yeah you know how that story happened? is incredible I, I don't know the I don't know the full full story well here's the story I can tell you what happened because um you know we we got great coaches we've always mm-hmm. had you know you, you never find if you're an owner you never find out things that go in the locker room until it's too late. Right, yeah. You know, so you never find out anything. Now, I have a pretty unique relationship with Glenn, so he, everything's pretty much um, on the uh, table. On, on the table. So, Billy, so um, Joe Taylor, do you know Joe? I Joe know Taylor. of I know of him. Yeah. yeah, he's the head. He's the head of uh, Nike Lacrosse. Right. Yeah. And, and, and he's a he was a freshman at college. When I was a senior, okay, and so we went. He went to Cornell, and so we, you know, we, we became friends. We we're friends. He's a he's a world class Syracuse knucklehead. Yeah, uh, but he's worked with Brian. He worked on. Now he's the Nike guy. Yeah. So he called me up and said, 
Frenchie, I got you. Got to do this. You got to do this. You need to. This is before, this is when Lyle and Miles were playing for all of yeah. He said you yeah. you got to give this guy a tryout. His name is Bill O'Brien. He's a uh, he's the most fit Native American I've ever seen. He's a stud. You know, he was on the Buffalo Bills practice squad. He yeah. played a linebacker or something at Sacred Heart. He, he's um he's just like an unbelievable athlete. He's played lacrosse. But you know he's he's he, he's an unbelievable learner and man and he'll be just a great guy. Can you should talk to him and give him a, a tryout. You know, so I called him up. Yeah. Right. I called him up. I did I did about as much research as I've ever done. I Wikipedia him or something. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and so I called him up and I talked to him and I go, Holy Christ! You know, yeah. not that I want to sound bad, but you know I played with natives up in Canada my whole life. Yeah, of course. And, and you know and and. And so I talked to him, and the guy was, like, unbelievably articulate. Mm-hmm. And so then I met him, and and, and, and my wife my wife thinks he's the, the best-looking lacrosse player <laughs> she's ever seen. So, you know, I I go, wow. And so I, I talked to him, I met with him, and he, he, he just was, like, you know, so cool, right? Yeah. And then I find out that he basically runs everything for the, 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 the Thompsons. He's right. the brains. Yeah. So he's part of the Nike, but he doesn't take any of the recognition. He just runs the business part of it. Yeah. And so we invited him, right? And so he made the team. He learned the hard way. Yeah. You know, you know, Adam Jones took him underneath a couple times. Yeah. And he learned, and then and so now, with good coaching. Yeah. And he drives up every Tuesday night to Grimsby with Bucktooth. Yeah. Um. He's he's in our top three or four defender oh, yeah. defenders. Oh yeah, Absolutely. he was he, he was going to be he was he was when he started he was maybe going to be on the outside looking in, mm-hmm. but he is an unbelievable gentleman. He's just great. I you know I, I think it's one of the best success stories that, I, that I've yeah, seen. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, when I talked to Suits a while back, he just he just couldn't stop saying positive things about him and and i've i've been a huge fan of him ever since i first saw him come in and and the story is just incredible yeah it's like you know you you wouldn't you know they don't this guy and you see some of the stuff that he puts out there this guy Mm -hmm. works out he he, if if he and he he was a guy that trained you know the 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 two thompson kids he got those guys and put them in uh, you know boot camp Mm-hmm. And you know they ended up you know being so successful as players, largely because he got them you know in to, to get in shape yeah. and to work. Yeah. So no, he, yeah. he's a he's a great guy. He's a guy you should talk to at some time. Yeah, you know, absolutely. He's absolutely. um he's um um impressive, and you know yeah. another one of the reasons why I like the team so much. Mm-hmm. Um, before I let you go, um, is, is Philly uh, is is a return to Philly not inevitable, but something that everybody wants? I think it does. You know, I I left I I I I have all the Philadelphia marks as they call them. Mm-hmm. You know, I have all our championship banners. They're all down at the Wells Fargo Center. Yeah. Um, they storm for us, and I have all the the stuff. And you know, I you know we said we were never going to you know take the wings name. We wanted to kind of start afresh. Mm-hmm. And if somebody wants to come in, and and, and Try to do it, you know, do it with your eyes wide open. Yeah. You know, Comcast was very helpful to me, and, and then then all of a sudden they cleaned house. Yeah. Um, I don't see 
you know, a telecommunications entertainment company um, wanting to own any more sports teams. Yeah. They sold the Sixers. They sold the Phantoms. They only want the Flyers. Yeah. And so, I so who would do it? It could be one of it could be a number. First of all, you have to have a good deal with the building. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, David Cordish is a partner with them, and he yeah. loves lacrosse. And I met with him. I t- there's nobody I you know trust me. I I, I uncovered every stone I could <laughs> yeah. to try to find somebody to to uh, partner with, but but couldn't. Yeah. But I, I would I would love to see it happen. I would think yeah. that maybe quite frankly, Allentown might be more suitable. Yeah. Um. You know, but you know, you never know. There's there's people out there that um, would have a, um, you know, I can say, you know, I was not always an owner, but we we lasted for 28 years, I think. So there, mm-hmm. there's people that have a, uh, you know, a higher threshold of pain, mm-hmm. you know, deeper pockets that that may, you know, see the MLS vision. Yeah. You know, which is typically it's you get in for three to five and it goes up like it did in soccer. I, I, yeah. I don't know if people yeah. will believe that, but yeah. I, I would love to see there, you know, there'd be a Philadelphia team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just don't know if, you know, if anybody can find the owners yeah. Um, yeah. that will take on the, the economic risk, which yeah. means losing yeah. money. Yeah. Um, you know what happens? Teddy, I'll tell you what happens. And I think it happened to the guy in Boston, Armstrong, Yeah. you yeah. know, who loved, who had plenty of money. Plenty, plenty, plenty of money. Yeah. And he was had the Boston team, and you know you lose the money. You know he lost two or three million dollars. Not a big deal. Had, yeah. had tons of money. Um, and then somebody says to you, um, "Why are you doing this? Are you a jock sniffer, yeah. or <laughs> are you just a dummy?" Yeah. Right. And then you look at yourself and go, "Holy shit." Yeah, I don't want people thinking I'm a dummy or a jock sniffer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, that's that's you know, and he was the CEO of AOL. Right. Yeah. So he just said that I'm done, and he said yeah. you know, no, no warning, just pulled the plug. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. So it's uh, you know, I but there's guys out there that I think love the sport. The sport's um, grown materially. Mm-hmm. Just in the last three to five years, yeah. Uh, but you you hit nail on the head. You got to get the American kids energized, yeah. and, and yeah. you know, like right now, there's you know, like I don't know, it's like 250 Division three schools. There's plenty of players on those schools that could be, you know, uh, transition players, yeah, deep players, and some that could even play some O with the right yeah. training. With the right training, yeah, absolutely. Um, you were talking about um, Allentown. Does it hurt the professional mystique of the NLL to be in Gwinnett, Langley, and Uncasville, and Allentown, and Saskatoon instead of being in St. Louis and Dallas and Chicago and, and the bigger markets? Does being in smaller markets hurt the professional feel? You know what? Um, uh, I don't think it, to be honest with you, I don't think it helps. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I think you got to be in gateway sick. Uh, cities, and then you have to be in some secondary cities. Mm-hmm. Like you know, if you're in Philadelphia, you could also be in Allentown. Yeah. Um, if you're in Chicago, you could also be, you know, like Rochester is a, you know, Rochester's mm-hmm. a, you know, like in that bu- bucket. But yeah. you know, I would like us to be in the in the, in the cornerstone gateway cities. Yeah. And selected other 
markets where there's you know a good venue and good right. partnerships. Yeah. Like I never thought I'd be on, a, on an Indian reservation. Mm-hmm. You know, last time I was yeah. on one of them, I almost got killed. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, you know so. But you know, I think you should be in Dallas. I think you should be in Los Angeles. I think you should be, yeah. you know, in Vancouver. I think you should be in Toronto. I think you should yeah. be in, in in Philly. But it, some of those situations are, are you know, you can't. You, if you go into Dallas and say, you know, we want the Dallas, you know, Mavericks or the Dallas mm-hmm. Stars to be a part of it. Yeah. You have to have somebody that can convince them why they should be. Like I, right. I don't understand, because like I remember when I talked to the prior owner. Before Pagula bought the Buffalo right, yeah. Sabers and yeah. Bills, and they made more money off of the Bandits than they did off the Sabers. Wow! Because the Sabers would have to go, you know, two rounds in the playoffs mm-hmm. because of their cost basis. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know why. Why wouldn't Pittsburgh want a lacrosse team? It's yeah. More dates. You know, I, yeah. Some of it it's is following. Some some of it is some of the following. You know, we can't be bothered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, and some some of the some of the staff say, you know, it's just another headache. Yeah, yeah. So you know, and but I I, I I feel good about uh, Nick. Uh, yeah, if anybody can get us in some of these big cities, he can. Yeah, there he is, Mike French of the New England Black Wolves. Uh, incredible conversation um, with Frenchie uh, about so many things. Uh, you know, he, he didn't want to leave Philadelphia. Uh, they didn't take the name. All the records and banners are sitting down in, in Philadelphia waiting for the resurgence of the wings, waiting for them to resurface. He can hang all that stuff back up there. Chopper can do the W-I-N-G-S wings, and everything can be back to normal, and we can start playing Welcome to the Jungle again. I love the story about Bill O'Brien. Um, happy birthday to the wild man, Bill O'Brien. Uh, this is Wednesday. It is his birthday. Um, so happy birthday to him. His story is just phenomenal. Like Mike said, he was uh, on no one's radar, really. He was a D1 football player at Sacred Heart, was an NFL practice player, uh, but had experience with the game and, and had familiarity with the Thompson brothers and some of the guys in the world of lacrosse. And those stories are some of the stories that make the National Lacrosse League so cool. Um, you know, the, the hero stories, the little guy stories, the, the lost but not forgotten kind of stories. And, and the story of Bill O'Brien is a phenomenal one. Um, if you remember back to when I had Andrew Suter on the show, he raved about everything Bill uh, O'Brien, and, and so many people do. Uh, he got a bit of a bad rap in his first year when he fought Steve Keogh and didn't take his bucket off. He didn't kind of understand a bit of the code. But I think that's been his only real fight since. Um, He's understood that that doesn't have to be his role. He's more viable as a defender, and he's turned out to be one heck of a defender. So um, stay tuned in the coming weeks and months. Uh, Bill O'Brien will be on this show at some point because the guy just does so many things um, for lacrosse. He does so much for the game on the reservations and for the heritage of the creator's game. And it'll be an interesting story and a great conversation to have with Bill O'Brien um, once we get there. Uh, I talked about Bill O'Brien's birthday on Wednesday. It's actually both Paul and Gary Gates' birthday on Wednesday. Um, happy birthday to my two idols and lacrosse legends growing up. When you grew up in Victoria, B.C., uh, in the early 80s and even in the 90s, 
Um, it was Paul and Gary. I don't think I could have grown up watching two better lacrosse players um, and anybody that I grew up with around here. Tyler Hevner, Ryan Ward, Chris McKay, um, Curtis Smith. The list goes on and on. Even, you know, the new generation of now guys, you know, Reese Dutch and, and Jesse King were kind of late to the party of seeing the Gate Brothers, but they still got a healthy dose of 22 and 19. And so happy birthday to those guys. Uh, we talked about um, the stealth and the loss that they had to the Toronto Rock. And it was another game where um, undisciplined play cost them. The Joel McCready play, well, if Vancouver doesn't make the playoffs, say they miss it by a game, uh, you can look back at a lot of losses, and I'm not trying to hinge this one on, on Creed's, but that five-minute major he took at the end of the game when, when he got high-sticked by Gilbert and, and really lost his cool, ends up getting two, five in a game, and it put Vancouver really behind the eight ball. Toronto scores two power play goals, the last two goals of the game, and the Rock go on to win it. Now, Jake Elliott and Brad Challenger on the call were like, oh, this isn't something we... You know, usually see from McCready. And it's not something we see from him often, but he, you know, he's a fiery and passionate guy. And everybody knows the heart that Joel McCready plays the game with. And that's not the first time we've seen that. We've seen Joel McCready go off and and grab guys just because he's been hit high. And a lot of guys do that. Um, But Creed's has a shorter temper than, than a lot of guys. And he's a spark plug and he wants to really fire up his team, but that was the wrong time to fire up your team, or at least try to. As Jake said on the webcast, that's a time where you take a number, swallow your pride, get the bloods, you know, wiped up, or get a stitch if you got to, and try to win a meaningful lacrosse game because it was, I believe, 11-11 at the time, and it was a tie game at least. can't remember, quite remember the score. Uh, but at that point in the game, you can't do that. You're your, one of your team's top offensive threats, um, you're a heart and soul leader guy, and I understand that Gilbert's check went off your shoulder and into your face. But unfortunately, you kind of got to just let that one go. I think what compounded the fact is that the referees didn't make the call, and that's where I'm going to go next. I have talked to a lot of players over the past few weeks. I've even talked to referees over the past few weeks. General managers, coaches, fans. I don't know what it is, but this has been one of those years where it's been blatant that a lot of calls are getting missed. And I'm not just talking about uh, the bouquet own goal or, or, or the hit that the league called legal. I'm just talking in generality. And the fact that the refs nowadays... And, and it's hard. I understand. Refing a lacrosse game has to be one of the hardest jobs in all of sports. There's two guys watching 10 guys beat the crap out of each other. And they're expected to see everything. And they can't. I understand that. But the fact that McCready had the ball and was making a lacrosse play and gets a, a stick off his shoulder into his face... And the referee is literally standing 10 feet away, not even, and makes no call. I can understand McCready's frustration. I can understand understand a lot of guys' frustrations over the years. 
or over the year. And I'm not saying the refs aren't good. I just don't think they're being properly trained, properly evaluated, and, you know, not, I don't want them reprimanded. We don't need to see refs suspended, but something needs to be done when guys miss calls and yet nothing happens. Players get benched, get sat, they're suspended, whatever it may be. Players are held accountable. It's time for the referees to start being held accountable. Because when a five-minute major gets called earlier in the game on toll and then not at the end of the game on Gilbert, what the heck's a player to do? Like, there is no balance from start to finish of games. There's no balance from shift to shift. That's why players get so upset. Players get pissed off and start yelling at refs and cursing at refs and blowing up my phone saying, what the heck is going on with the league and these referees? It's because there's no similarity from shift to shift, ref to ref. And it's something the league really needs to start looking at. I truly believe that next year you'll see a third referee on the floor. I just have a gut feeling that that's going to happen. And that's going to help a lot. It'll take a lot of pressure off guys. They can do the NBA floating triangle. Um, not everyone, you know, it's not going to be one guy, you know, you watch Team A, you watch Team B, you do everything else. Everybody is responsible for everything, but you watch your zone. And by having that, like they do in the playoffs, guys will be held more accountable. We won't see a more influx of penalties because guys understand they won't be able to get away with all the things. But they'll also understand that things will get called tighter. And again, I'm not advocating for taking hitting out of the game or any of that. The lacrosse world is as good as it has ever been on the floor. But everything else needs to get on pace with the talent of the players. And unfortunately, it's not like we have a farm system breeding referees. And, you know, Brian Lemon has told me that, you know, he's always looking and always scouting and trying to find referees and guys that are able and and educated enough and have the IQ to be able to ref at a high level. There's not that many out there, unfortunately. There's not. And, you know, you can scour the junior leagues and you can scour um, the American box leagues that are, that are developing referees, and that's great. I love referee development. We need it. Um, there are a lot of guys who are doing good work helping to develop referees. But it's got to get better, and referees have to start being held accountable. And, and you know what? If a guy makes a bad call, you got to do something about it. If he misses a call, like I know they have conference calls with all the referees once a week, and supposedly guys get evaluated and they're given evaluation sheets and all this. I have it from good authority that what is being done isn't good enough. And when that's coming from somebody within that circle that I truly respect and has been around this game for a long, long time, you know it's bad. Something has to be done or guys are going to continue to get hurt and guys are going to continue to take the law into their own hands. 
And that's when it hits the fan. And that's when things get out of control. And that's when players lose their cool like Joel McCready did. The loss by Vancouver, compounded by the fact that McCready took that penalty, really puts them even further behind the eight ball now. Because now, like the, they're playing for third. We all know that. Calgary has a lock on third right now. The only thing is, as we talked about earlier, they only have three games left. Vancouver has five games left. And this next two games will decide the West Division. Third place in the West Division. Because Vancouver and Calgary will play their next two games against each other over the next two weekends. If Calgary wins them both, they get to eight wins and clinch third. Simple as that. Vancouver has to win these both, both of these games. They have to. A split helps. And they still have two games in hand. A split helps. But if they lose both of these games, good night. It's over. No chance. They'll be 3-12. and 12. Calgary will be 8-9. and nine, And they can't catch them. They're in tough trying to catch them in general. But those two games in hand are massive. But not as massive as these next two games. And if Jamie Batley wants to prove his worth and wants to solidify his spot on the bench for 2017, this would be a pretty darn good time to win a couple of cross games. What also will be interesting in the game this weekend is who plays for the Vancouver Stealth. Calgary is finally starting to get back to healthy. Um, as we all know, Dane Dobie is back and healthy. Um, Bob Snyder is is day-to-day. Uh, they hope to have him back, but they really like the play of Tyler Burton. So they're playing as good as they have. Uh, Mike Poulin wasn't around this weekend. should probably quickly get this out of the way. Congratulations to Pooh. Uh, he and his lovely wife had their first little baby, so congratulations to them. So Christian Del Bianco saw his first lacrosse action in the National Lacrosse League. So CDB is official in the record books as one of the youngest goaltenders ever to play in the National Lacrosse League. But Vancouver's health status is the bigger question. Uh, they were without Billings and without Shuss again. Uh, Tyler Garrison's been on the IR for most of the year, second level, on and off of that two or three times. Uh, Matt Beers was placed on the IR, and Rory Smith has been on the long-term IR all year. And if you read my 30-second uh, shot clock last week, Doug Locker told me in a conversation that we had that he hopes to have all those guys back this weekend for Calgary. You know what? If Billings and Chuss and Beers and Garrison can get healthy, awesome. I think that's incredible for Vancouver. It will be an incredible boost for them if they can be at full capacity. But the Rory Smith thing is where I get angry. And the reason why I get angry is because of all that we know about concussions in sports today. And the reason I get angry is because what I watched Rory Smith go through during the Man Cup last year. Out, cold, on his feet, twice in one shift. I respect everything that Rory Smith does for the game of lacrosse and has done. The guy has won three straight Man Cups. The guy's won a world championship. The only thing he hasn't won 
is an NLL title. But I don't think truly and honestly, I believe as a guy who has gone through numerous concussions, deals with depression, deals with memory loss, deals with everything else that comes of years of headshots. Rory Smith should never play a game of lacrosse again. I'm sorry. It needs to be said, and it needs to be heard. And again, I respect all that Rory has done and what he does for the game of lacrosse, but there's no need for him to be playing anymore. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't care if he's been out of lacrosse since September 16th or whatever it was, last game that he played in the Mac Cup. It doesn't matter that he has been, quote-unquote, symptom-free for five months, six months, that he's done all the neurological tests and all the doctors say that he's passed his test. That's fine. I could probably go and pass tests right now too. But it was a simple shoulder check from Casey Beerns who put his shoulder into the chest of Rory Smith and Rory Smith was on Dream Street. It wasn't even a high hit. The second time he got hit wasn't a high hit. Both hits were body checks. Now, if Vancouver wants to say, you know what? We're going to leave it up to the doctors and leave it up to Rory, and that's their decision. I can't get behind it. I can't. Knowing all that we know and seeing all the players in football and hockey and all the other contact sports that have lost their lives, who are just completely, you know, have no capacity, of a mental capacity. For all that we know, to let Rory Smith step onto a lacrosse floor and play lacrosse is just naive. And it is wrong, and it shouldn't happen. I'm sorry. Putting Rory Smith in your lineup this weekend isn't going to get you to the playoffs. Playing Rory Smith for your last five games, it's not going to get you to the playoffs. It's not. And I'm sorry to say this, and you know what? If people want to take argument with it, fine, bring it. I will take all the heat you want. And I'm sorry if this hurts Rory. Probably doesn't even listen. Or even if it gets back to him. I do apologize for saying this, but Rory, please, for your own health, for your parents' mindset, just say that's it. I know you're a warrior, and I know you're a competitor, and I know you're a battler, and I know you want to compete and play at the best level possible. But my friend, please, Think about five years, 10 years, 20 years down the road. Because one more Casey Beerns shoulder to the chest. And you may not have that. So for everything that is lacrosse, I truly hope, I truly hope that the Vancouver Stealth Organization says, you know what, Rory, 
We appreciate the fact that you want to play. We love that you want to play. And we appreciate the fact that all the doctor's tests say that you are symptom-free. But we can't play you. We won't play you. If you want to ask for a trade request at the end of the season, sure, we'll try and trade you. But I don't think any other team should honor that request. Rory, you are a warrior. And you've done more for this game of lacrosse than I probably have. And a lot of people have. So please, think about the end goal. And don't try and come back. Please. Go ahead and tell everybody I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man Yes I am, yes I am, yes I am I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man I believe every our man of the week this week isn't a player. It's Lee Genier of the Saskatchewan Rush. And what he has done for that team in the city of Saskatoon is just absolutely phenomenal. They had over 14,000 fans there this past weekend. They had more fans than all three other games combined on the weekend. This is a team in a city that nobody thought stood a chance. And everybody's like, Saskatoon? What? Are you kidding me? Saskatoon? And yet, they are the new Colorado. It's true. They are the new Colorado. And the best part is, is that, like, Colorado is doing it with a major, major player behind them. And um, Stan Kroenke, almost forgot his name. Like, they have a lot backing them and a lot working for them. The Rush have been put into a market that is still, you know, they were like Colorado. Lacrosse existed, but nowhere near the scales of, you know, say Vancouver, or Toronto, Greater Toronto, Orangeville, Peterborough, the list goes on. But from day one, Ligeonet has hit the ground running. You know, Bruce Urban brought him over from the Stampeders, and Genier has done an amazing job. Just give him the Executive of the Year award right now. Because since that first game, their attendance has grown. Their popularity has skyrocketed. And it just shows that if you do it the right way, you can build a successful model anywhere. And I was very critical of the rush to start the year. Um, I felt that what they were doing was pretty much the same thing they were doing as what they had done for 10 years in Edmonton. It's working in Saskatoon. And the fans absolutely love it. They love it. And so they should. They have one of the best teams in the league. Yeah, it's absolutely helped that they have a winning team. Absolutely it helps. But it's not just a winning team. It's everything else that they're doing out in the community. And getting people to buy in. And Lee Genier has done a phenomenal job. And they put almost a sellout 
in Saskatel this weekend. They're trying to push for it again this weekend. If they can put another 14,000 people in that arena, it has got to be one of the stories of the year. And as I said in my 30-second shot clock last weekend, when Nick Sakevich brings out his um, franchise manual, there will be a chapter on the Saskatoon Rush, sorry, the Saskatchewan Rush, and what they have done. Because the work that they have done has been nothing short of phenomenal. And for that, Lee Genier is the man. I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man. Well, you can tell everybody. Yeah, you can tell everybody. Go ahead and tell everybody. I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man. Yes, I am, yes, I am. Couple things before we get out of here. I uh, want to send uh, our best wishes um, to Mark Farthing of the Toronto Rock. Uh, unfortunately, another knee injury uh, sends a player to the sidelines. And what a great story Mark Farthing is. Uh, he's been on the precipice of making National Lacrosse League teams for a couple years now. Um, has been toiling in Sealax and was the Durham Turf Dogs captain. Uh, they end up winning the Sealax championship this year. And, and for all of his hard work and for all of his efforts, uh, Farthing was brought up by the Rock, and he saw his first National Lacrosse League game this weekend, and he fit right in. You know what? He, he's a good, solid defender, likes to run the floor, and has really put the time in to improve his game to get to the National Lacrosse League level. And he has been aided by the fact that Sealax exists, another one of those great stories of guys who have not been able to make an NLL team just because of the compactness of the nine teams and what that does for the shrinking player pool. So the Farthing worked his way up in Sealax and got a shot and a very innocent play down by the Vancouver bench late in the fourth quarter. And we're seeing it too often in today's National Lacrosse League. I don't know how many guys this is, um, it's probably four or five this year alone of guys that have lost their season due to knee injuries. And I don't know what the solution is. I don't know if it's getting turf that fits absolutely perfect. I don't know if it's moving away from turf. I don't know what it is. But something needs to be done to keep our players safe and having them play on this turf isn't doing it. And I saw an argument or a debate on Twitter. Maybe they should go back to the hardwood floors or, or you know, what they use in the summer. I get that. You know what? That's all great. And, you know, you get the squeaks and the sound effects and the audio of playing on cement is better. But how many times during summer games do we have to wait 20 seconds, 30 seconds, maybe a minute? for kids or Shaggy or Rocket, whoever it may be, to come out on the floor and get on their hands and knees or use the broom to to mop up the, the snails. Wow, it's been two weeks. For guys to mop up the snail tracks, the sweat stains that guys leave all over the floor when they're diving across the floor or falling on the ground. You can't have... You know, those kids running out when the play goes down the other other way because the play can come back the other way just as quick. I, I don't think going to that is the solution. Maybe it is. 
I don't think it is. But there's got to be a way to prevent these types of injuries happening because they're happening too often. It's almost, almost, like one every couple weeks. It's an epidemic. And something needs to be done about it. Because you can't prevent that by training any harder or stronger or getting stronger. Because you look at any of the guys who have done their knees this year, it's been the most simplest of plays. Scotty Johnson two weeks ago, farthing this weekend, Patty Merrill a month and a half ago, um, Brian McGill in New England. Both times Suter's done his knee. Like ACLs can come out of nowhere and you can't prevent it. But it's just something needs to be done because we're losing too many guys to ACL injuries. The Buffalo Bandits can clinch a playoff spot this weekend, and so can the New England Black Wolves. Uh, Buffalo can clinch with a win versus Rochester or a Georgia loss and a Toronto loss. I'm sure they'd rather just get it out of the way on their own. New England can clinch a spot with a win versus Saskatchewan and a win versus Toronto and a Georgia loss. So uh, New England has a tougher road to go for now. But both teams can clinch playoff spots in the East. We already know that Saskatchewan and Colorado have clinched out West. And we are only about three, four weeks left in the National Lacrosse League season. We are entering week 15, and we have three more after that. So yeah, simple math. Four weeks left and other than the home field advantage out West, everything is to play for for everybody. This week's game, four of them, sorry, five of them. It all starts Friday. Saskatchewan at New England. New England will then go to Toronto on Saturday. Rochester visits Buffalo in an I-90 three-way rivalry. As, of course, we've talked about Vancouver at Calgary also on Saturday. Then Sunday. Colorado will go to Georgia to take on the Swarm in a Sunday afternoon game. And you just don't know what to expect uh, when you go to Georgia. They're saying the first 2,500 fans will get a free rally towel. And for the sake of the Swarm, I hope they give every one of those away. Because their attendance has been plummeting. And I hope that there is a fix for this club and this franchise because what's going on in Georgia, not very good. Their attendance numbers have been dropping since their opening game, and for an arena that can fit up to 13,000 people, you know, having 10,000 empty seats doesn't look too good when you watch the game. So, you know, it, it worked in Saskatoon. It's currently not really working in Gwinnett, but things can turn around. Things can change. And Nick Sakevich is, is adamant that the people in Georgia are the right people. Uh, it's just going to take some time. I hope he's right because if it wasn't for the lease issue in Minnesota, that team should still be in St. Paul. And it's just unfortunate to see a team that was for 10 years, just like the Rush in Edmonton, for 10 years, that fan base stood by them. It wasn't the greatest. You know, they weren't, you know, they weren't 
the tops of the league, but they weren't the bottom in Minnesota. You know, they were 8-10 to 10 a game. They had a loyal fan base that loved their swarm. And because of the lease deal and a lot of other things, the Arladas decided to up and move, hoping for better dates, hoping for a better lease, and hoping for more results. And they have gotten crappy dates. They may have a great lease, and they're getting even worse results. So... You know, they have a good young team that has been built through the draft because Arlotta has been trading away for picks. And now he has a good young team. He just needs to find a way to get the fans in Georgia into the arena. If they can get six, eight, nine thousand people in there on a consistent basis, then we can stop having this conversation. But it's gone down ever since. And it just doesn't look good. So hopefully with the league-leading Colorado Mammoth coming into town, John Grant Jr., Adam Jones, Calum Crawford, Dylan Ward, who knows? Maybe that will help draw some people out. That'll pretty much do it. My name is Teddy Jenner. At Off the Crossbar on Twitter, Jenner at gmail.com is the email. My 30-second shot clock will be up on Inside Lacrosse this week. I want to thank Mike French for stopping by and giving us some time this week. and want to thank you for listening. We'll talk to you in a week's time. Enjoy the games, everybody, and be excellent to each other.